Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The following is a sponsored program on WBT. The Ask Dr. Ernst Show is presented by Dr. Aaron Ernst, a board-certified chiropractic physician specializing in spinal correction, nutritional coaching, and cellular detoxification. And is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Seek a qualified healthcare professional before changing your health program or embarking on a new one. Visit AskDrErnst.com for more information. It's time to transform your health with one of the nation's leading and growing authorities in total health. Over the next hour, learn from experts on how to revolutionize the health of those you love most. This is Ask Dr. Ernst. And now, here's your host, Dr. Aaron Ernst. Happy Saturday. You're listening to the Ask Dr. Ernst Show. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Ernst. And today I have an ultra special guest, Dr. Cami Benton. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Dr. Benton is an integrative physician and uh, we're going to have a ton of fun doing an interview with her today talking about all things medical yet also non-medical. Is that a good way of saying it? I think it's a great way. Yes. So could you um, start us off by just giving us a little bit of background? Your license is as a medical practitioner, an MD, mm-hmm. but yet you don't really follow standard MD rules, guidelines. Can you describe that? And what is an integrative physician? Okay. Well, yeah, I did the traditional training of you know as a medical doctor and did FAMA medicine residency, and then I quickly learned even during residency that things were not, they didn't feel good. They didn't feel good in the traditional system of traditional meaning Western medicine system. In this case, uh, I just felt like I was never getting anyone better, and so definitely still when I got out in practice, I remember driving to work one day. I'm like gosh, really all I'm doing is doling out pills for everyone and yeah. I never get anyone better. All the school, all the training, all the desires as a doctor to help people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So then I uh, discovered, uh, I found a homeopath, uh, Michael Smith. He's a local homeopath and he was giving a talk at a, bro- uh, at a bookstore and I was like, wow, there's a whole other field of medicine? Yeah. And I had no clue. And so that, that spike, you know, piqued my interest and then I was like, well, I just didn't know how to incorporate something into my own training because I was like, I was busy, you know, in a practice. And I think that's a a lot of things with medical doctors. Once they've invested all this time into 12 years of school that you're like, you just kind of get like, this should be it. Right. Hold on. Can we repeat that? How many years of schooling? (laughs) 12 years. Yeah. So it's four for undergrad, four for the MD. And I did four for residency. residency. Some people have to do a fellowship even. Right. Some go even longer. So it's a long time. And again, I loved it. I, I had a great time. But if I knew then what I know now, I probably would never make it through med school because yeah. I just can't um, swallow a lot of the stuff that we learned. Yeah. So I had to, through my own medical misadventures for myself and for my kids, um, we were making them sicker through the traditional system. And I had to figure out how to get them better. And so I ended up using homeopathy and functional medicine to actually recover their health and recover my own health. And so then that's when I got trained in functional medicine. Um, 
it's been quite as as anyone I think in this path where you go down one way and then you go you know completely different yeah. way. There's a lot of complexity and reasons why you would do that because well it's maybe not let, an easy let's thing. go into that because you know I think even like someone like myself you know we shared this before our recording. I wanted to be an oncologist. I was doing an MD PhD program. I had a life incidents. I had a really bad car accident. I got introduced to a chiropractor. I'd never heard of chiropractic. I thought, you know, like they're the kooky quacks that you go to when you have neck pain, back pain, headaches. Here I am injured and I needed to succumb to chiropractic care. And 22 years of asthma disappears in six months. And I had my epiphany. I quit medicine. I dropped out of my MD PhD program. My family thought I was nuts. I'm now the black sheep. I've been disowned, discredited, I've got surgeons and OBGYNs and nurses and anesthesiologists in my family, and they're all thinking I'm crazy for dropping out of med school and becoming a chiropractor. So how does someone like yourself go from conventionally trained classic MD to having that epiphany? Like, was it a life event? Was it an aha moment? How did that happen for you? There's three different areas of that. One is just never seeing my patients get better. And then when I started referring to the naturopath friend and they, he started getting my patients better. <laughs> and in spite of them being to all the specialists, I'm like, gosh, I wanna do that, you yeah. know? And so yeah. that actually came first. And then okay. um, the next was my own experience with the flu vaccine. Um, I volunteered to take it through. I'd never had really the flu in my life and I volunteered maybe when I was sixth grade it was a febrile illness which we didn't yeah. go to the doctor then so who knows if that was it or not so um, I volunteered okay fine I'll take the flu vaccine because they started really pushing it and then all three years I stayed sick and I made my mom my brother my sister take it because I was planning on having children yeah just like everyone else and then um, they all got sick three years in a row even though they had never taken the flu vaccines before and that started waking me up and this is this is worth a further story uh, but then the, uh, the third line are my own children's vaccine reactions. So I can go into that, but I'll go into my flu vaccine one first because that was that was um, a big eye-opening to me and how little people actually want to see the truth. Yeah, especially behind that vaccine. Right. And so um, I volunteered all three years uh, to take it, and I got sick. I stayed sick. I mean, like most people say, oh, I got the flu-like illness, and that's what happened to my mom and siblings. They got a fever for like a week. And then immediately, all three years in a row. That's not coincidence. Right. But in medical training, we're trained, oh, they would have, they probably already had the flu already. It would have been worse had they not had it. And like three years in a row, that's not even remotely acceptable as an explanation for that. So, um, so then when this happened, I started researching the data on the flu vaccine. And that's when I realized that there was no real good, at that time especially, there was no good data. Even on the CDC website, it just says ongoing studies at that time. Since then, probably because of me making too much noise, they probably <laughs> put, yeah. they put a list of uh, yeah. cherry-picked studies on there. But when you look at the meta-analyses, like over four years of data, it just showed no benefit, really. Over 65, none under 18, and maybe some in between those ages. So when the, then I asked my peers my my fellow physicians and they're like no no that can't be i'm like look for it let yeah. me know once you look at the data it's quite shocking plus so, you've got the aspect of the thimerosal the guessing of which strain it's going to be against and you know it's a crapshoot in and of that so and a lot of people think there's no thimerosal in vaccines anymore but there is in the multi-dose vial for flu mm -hmm. vaccine and the one that's thimerosal free is aluminum loaded so i mean they <laughs> took mercury out but they added aluminum instead so, so it's um 
So um, I, what I did at that time, because at that point, uh, the corporation I worked for, which I shall not name that corporation. We'll keep it um, quiet. And we'll keep it quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, I, they were mandating it. And so then that following year, they're like, uh, you've got to take this. In fact, literally, I had a nurse hide behind a door with an open needle ready to just jab me because she knew I was did not want it. Like literally, I consider that an assault yeah, on my too. physical yeah, self. And when when I turned the corner, they tr they lured me literally into the nurse's room. I mean, I just cried. I'm like, what do you think you're doing? Like, have you heard of informed consent? Yeah. Like, I volunteered the last three years. It made me sick. I'm not going to inject something that, that makes me sick to keep you well. Yeah. There's like no logic in that. And then when you actually look at the data, it doesn't decrease transmission rate, hospitalization rate, death rate. And for many, many years in a row, it was averaging about 19 to 20 something percent, you know, efficacy, which is essentially useless. Yep. And that's for prevention of flu. But most people don't die of flu. And, you know, we're trained in medical school. Oh, 30,000 people, 60,000 people a year die from the flu. And then when you actually really dig in on the website, actually 30,000. This is way back then. I think the last one was like 60 or 80,000. Um, they die from flu and pneumonia. pneumonia. Yeah, they correct. include all cause pneumonia that's COPD related, cancer related, asthma. They're, they're doing the highest risk pneumonia. People are included in the flu vaccine deaths, flu, sorry, flu infection deaths. So then you go to the National Vital Statistics records on the CDC website, and you actually see that only about 1,000 to 3,000 a year die from mm -hmm. flu. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's on the death certificates. And there were some years that were like 60. I think 2010, there were 60 deaths the whole year. And well, all of you know that it magically disappeared last year. That's right. <laughs> so Just happened to be goodbye flu. Goodbye flu. <laughs> so um, although we are seeing some flu these days, because guess because we're testing for it, right? Yes. So um, anyway, so that was very interesting. And so then when I, again, I, I went back to my my doctor friends, and they're like, "Well, we still have to give it. It's the quality of care matrix, and this is how our bonuses are structured." Go figure. And I'm, like, I'm like, but how can you give something that you know is useless? Um, just for money, like how do you do that? They're like, but we just have to. I'm like, no, no, we don't just have to do anything. Yeah. We have to honor our Hippocratic Oath. So I wrote to the guy who created that policy over that massive corporation that shall not be named. And he said, um, I, asked, I said, well, where's your science to support this? And he says, well, I don't have any, but um, you know, all these major organizations recommend it. So I'm like, okay, so I wrote all those the AMA, the AAP, the AHA, the, all the, the acronyms, I wrote them all. Most of them actually didn't respond. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics wrote back, we don't have anything on our website. Have you checked out the NIH? Oh, that was the response from the AAP. Wow. The only one that actually gave me any data was the American Hospitals Association. That's because they used a small nursing home study that compared where the um, employees were vaccinated versus the other one that were not having a mandate, and they found um, a decreased mortality. However, the, the difference uh, in the increased mortality was not very clear what it was due to because the flu deaths and pneumonia deaths were the same in both groups. Right. Yep. So that means as a small study, it might have been we're saying, okay, let's study bigger populations, but they were going on that study, which is clearly a small study, and it was not statistically significant because it didn't even match the endpoint that they were yeah. promoting. Yep. So um, I'm like, wow. 
So um, that's when I was actually at an Institute of Functional Medicine conference um, probably the next year or two, and I sat beside someone who's a senior medical official from the CDC, and we were at a luncheon. So I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? Are you like a spy or something? Because when she <laughs> told me she's yeah. from the CDC, and she actually kind of laughed and said, kind of. She's like, I'm just here, sitting here to see what you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. And she was super nice and super forthcoming. And uh, so I, I was like, all right, I don't believe in access. God puts people where they're supposed to be. That's so right. I'm like, divine appointments. Divine appointments. This was a divine appointment because of what I had been going through in my studies. And I felt like no one, I was, felt like screaming at the mountaintop and no one was listening uh, to the fact that there was zero data, yet people are losing their jobs across the country over this vaccine. So um, I asked her, I was like, do you, what do you think about the flu vaccine? And she's like, oh, you know, it's great. I'm like, but what do you think about the data behind the flu vaccine? And she looked at me funny. And she's like, I guess you're going to tell me, right? I was like, yes. So I went through the different meta-analyses. Uh, there was one from the Centers for Infectious Disease Research and Policy called CIDRAP. They pretty much said the same thing, but even they even got rid of even more of the studies that were paid for by pharma mm-hmm. in there, which showed even less impressive results. Of course. And, and their re- response was, you know, as long as we are able to push it, make money, there's no incentive to create a better vaccine. That was their um, understanding of it. So this is mainstream. These are not anti-vaxxer things. Yeah. And I'm like, but what I've discovered then, as soon as you start questioning any vaccine, you're called a dangerous anti-vaxxer. Yes. And that's unfortunate. That's just a way to shut down conversation. It creates, gets people's blood pressures up, their yep. pulse goes yep. up. And, and if you're not medical and you've not done the research, you need to ask your question, why your pulse is going up right now or your blood pressure is going up right now because it's not because you know the data because once you really learn the real data i think it's their instinct tells them that there's something wrong with it and then right of its own right so uh, we should be able to ask questions that is yeah. science that you ask questions yeah. and you go to the data and that's exactly what i did yep. so um when i told her the data the senior medical official she's an md at the cdc her jaw dropped <laughs> and she said uh you need to talk to somebody about this. I'm like, you think? I was like, I've been trying to get to someone at the CDC for several years now. So she gave me the medical director of the influenza division at the CDC. I'm not even going to name her name yet because I'm I'm not trying to get her in trouble, but this is a real thing. Believe me or not. But I literally hid in my closet at the office when I had the meeting with her because I was expected to be creamed. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a country doctor talking to the CDC, you know feeling all kinds of unworthy and I was sitting there like talking to her about all the the studies related to it and she just literally went yep 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 and I got to the end of it I'm like uh, rebuttal yeah and she says no no rebuttal I'm like wait 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 you guys are pushing this vaccine even though you know there's no data behind it and um and she says oh we're not pushing it that's those are other corporations pushing it I'm like but like you guys the manufacturers like the, no was- no the well, she's saying that the corporations out there like my medical corporation oh, all that yep. it's like they're the ones pushing it not us little did i know at that time by the way those two, they get a two percent medicare bonus for compliance for the vaccine yeah, at I've major institutions so, so there's a two percent bonus involved yeah. so i said no but you guys are creating public policy with a vaccine that does not have data to support it yep and i'm i'm for informed consent and so she said, listen, I'm in the military and I'm doing what I'm told. <laughs> she says there will never be a good flu vaccine. It mutates every year. They have to guess a year in advance. Um, and, and it's just, it doesn't decrease transmission rate. It doesn't decrease spread. I'm like, 
So it's just yes. become mainstream accepted therapy. Yeah, it's just one of the many things of consensus yep. that we have to follow. And if you question it, you're considered bad. So I yeah. took it back to this corporation and I asked for a meeting for them and the head infectious disease doctor. So I go to this meeting and um, I have my data ready and the infectious disease doctor really has no data besides that one nursing home study. Wow. So I'm asking, she's like, listen, it's just expensive when people get sick. I'm like, but me getting vaccinated for this does not have anything to yeah, do with that right. person that's in the ICU. Yeah. It doesn't. It is absolutely not scientific to inject me with a solution that's making me physically ill every single time I take it to keep that person out of the ICU. There's simply zero data to yeah. support that. Yeah. And so we went around with no other science offered um, besides what I offered. And even the head guy, he was an MD, he's an administrative MD. And he says, um, he's like, wow, you did come with your data. I'm like, hello, I've already been to the CDC for this. Yeah, of course I have right. the data. Yeah. I'm waiting on your data. He's like, listen, you're just gonna have to take the vaccine or wear a face mask. And that and was it. Still, and even today, they still do this for nurses and hospitals. If you're not, you have to wear the mask says, you know, I decided not to get my flu shot, but I'm protecting you by wearing a mask. And we know those masks don't filter out the virus. It's no, the virus than is the pores too small. of the mask. Right, right. So then, I mean, this is all kind of glorious for me because it was part of what set my track for the rest of my career yeah. so far. So I, <laughs> Christmas Eve of 2014, um, we, the CDC admitted that it was 19% effective that year. So I'm like, you know, I'm dying to get out of this place. I hate this place. If I can just get a severance package, I will, <laughs> yeah, I will be happy. Yeah, take it and run, right? Yeah. Take it and run. So I was trying, honestly, to get let go. So Christmas Eve of 2014, I said, hey, dear doctor, I'm gonna leave his name out. I don't know if you heard that yet. Once again, the CDC admits that the flu vaccine is only 19% effective. Um, now, I know you care about patient safety. So um, everyone who's wearing a face mask, you need to make everyone wear face masks since no one's protected. After all, it's about patient safety, right? I know you care about patient safety. You know, happy new mm -hmm, year. Mm -hmm. And clearly I was being totally facetious, facetious yeah. about that. And then that Monday, that I got a good three-month severance package, but the timing was perfect because I got a four-month severance package, a year-end bonus is amazing. So that was the most amazing four months of my life. I wish everyone could get a like a severance package yeah, and stay that home. Way. That yes. way. It was great because I was able to leave with my integrity, Yeah, and they never did offer me science to counteract what I was offering. Isn't that not, not one time. And so, but in the midst of that, that's when my own children were having serious vaccine reactions. Yeah. and. My oldest one had multiple neurologic ones as a baby, but we were trained that that's normal. They've normalized the pathology. Mm -hmm. And I went in as like, well, that's just what happens. They just scream uncontrollably and their behavior change. Like literally that's what we're trained Correct. to normalize the pathology. And so I let her keep on being vaccinated. And then when it came to the five-year vaccines, that's when I finally like, oh, I've, at that point I learned that we have a genetic variant mm -hmm. that sets us up for mm -hmm. maybe potentially having more vaccine reactions. All three mm -hmm. of my kids had it. I had it. So even at that point I had the realization that as an adult, I developed an autoimmune thyroid disease after my – I joined the military when I was 18. And so within a year I had autoimmune thyroid disease. After my hepatitis B vaccine series, I developed a skin and eye autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after my, my Tdap – I had lung issues. Like every time I got sick after that, I developed bronchitis. I had like five months of bronchitis after that one. So mm. I had terrible 
reactions. So then, but I had never put two and two together until I saw all my kids were having vaccine reactions. So we have, we are the ones that people want to theoretically protect. You know, if you want to call it that. That's right. You know, if you want to call it that, we're the ones that actually are not tolerating it. Yet, I f- when when I went into her five year vaccines, I still did not feel safe to say no. Well, you got to get vaccinated. I mean, I'm going to have to vaccinate her, or she can't go to school. I didn't know about religious exemptions and. Honestly, me- medical exemptions I didn't even know about, even though I was a medical doctor. Yeah. I'd never heard of VAERS, yeah. which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting we System. We definitely have to talk about that. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about that. And so, anyway, so I prayed, like, please, God, don't let her have more than I can handle. And But she ended up with major neurologic, neurologic issues that we had to use functional neurology to heal, yep. Yep. Um, homeopathy, functional medicine. And now she's healthy. It's great. Yeah. But, like, I had to go in really the hard way yeah. of sacrificing my kids. And because of the dogma I had learned, yeah. I kept injuring my children yep. in spite of it. So you're listening to the Ask Dr. Ernst Show, and we are interviewing Dr. Cami Benton, MD, who has gone through a life journey and a rediscovery of what it really, truly means to be a doctor. You know, we, we talk a lot about originally it was to teach and to educate but then it became to medicate and prescribe. And now we're having this epiphany, some of us in the healthcare field, that there is another way to do this. Right. And so stick around as we come back from this commercial break. We're going to go into more in-depth what is functional medicine? How is it different than traditional medicine? If you were to go see Dr. Benton as a family physician, what would that look like as opposed to a classic family physician? And what is this thing called integrative medicine? And what is possibly the future of healthcare from her perspective? And of course, you know, as you guys always know, our show exists to teach, educate, and help you to become your own doctor. We want you to be knowledgeable and educated so you can take control of your health. Will you sometimes need help from a professional? Absolutely, but you'd be amazed how much of your health is in your control. And we're not just talking about diet and exercise. We're talking about literally learning some things that you might not think you could know, but you actually can. It's time to become your own doctor. So it's the Ask Dr. Ernst Show. If you have any specific questions for us, you guys know how to connect with us, askdrernst.com. Our call lines, if you have a question, 704-906-2094. Dr. Benton, how can they get connected with you? My website is bentonintegrative.com. And we're also, and I'm looking forward to tell you about the project for Compass Integrative Health. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Yes. Uh, so, bittenintegrative.com, we have a direct primary care practice, this holistic primary care. You have multiple locations all across Charlotte mm-hmm. and even Huntersville. Cotswold, Huntersville, yes. Denver. And, guys, this is the kind of MD you want in your back pocket. So, make sure you check her out. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in just a moment. It's the Ask Dr. Arnold Show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The following is a sponsored program on WBT. Hey, it's the Ask Dr. Ernst Show. Happy Saturday, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the show where pounds are shed, disease is dead, and where you can be set free from your health problems. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Ernst, and along with me today is a very special guest, Dr. Cami Benton, MD. Yes, I said that right, MD. We're interviewing a medical doctor who's not quite a traditional medical doctor falls into the field of integrative functional physicians. So, Dr. Benton, I know we talked at the top of the hour about your transition away from classic medicine. It had a lot to do with the involvement of the flu vaccine, your personal experience with it, your children's reactions mm-hmm. to it, and that kind of woke you up to this mm-hmm. whole new field of, wait a minute, the science doesn't always back what we're taught. So now you start becoming more integrative. 
And could you maybe describe for our listeners, I get asked all the time, Dr. Ernst, how can I find a medical doctor who follows the holistic and or functional guidelines that you teach on your show? Well, here's one right here. So let's ask her, what's the difference between my insurance-backed GP internist and going to someone like you? How does that, how are they different? Well, as compared to, when I was in regular practice, we had um, to do a lot of check boxes and for quality of care measures, which there's a lot of important things to always make sure you're up to date on, of course. But you have 15 minutes and it's just rushed and we're held to um, a set of check algorithms that necessarily might not necessarily apply to you. So mm-hmm. in my practice, we um, it's a monthly membership. And why that is is that we do a lot of virtual visits um, for like the little things. You know, there's things like, do I really have to go in? Like I'm puking my head off with this stomach bug. Can I not just get some Zofran? You know, there's some things like that that you don't want to leave your house when you're that sick, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. there are certain things we can manage uh, by phone. Um, it's like the old timey doctor. So, but at the same time, we spend a lot more time in our practice, in our office with the patient. So our shortest, shortest, uh, appointment time is 30 minutes and, wow. um, that's for a sick visit. And then otherwise it's 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the patient for follow-ups, uh, yep. for physicals, you can get an hour for functional medicine. We spend like an hour and a half with the first patient. And then, uh, between that, you have all the access to the portal messages that we're managing things mm-hmm. along the way. And so you can get it more real time. And so uh, direct primary care has been shown to decrease need for ER visits and urgent care visits. And so we can keep you out uh, of that. But the integrative piece, so that's where I've kind of been learning along my last 20 years. I finished yeah. med school in 2000. And so since then, even during residency, I was studying some nutrition. I was studying herbal medicine. And so we try to, the word doctor means to teach. Yeah. And so I have been from the very beginning trying to teach people to take care of a simple cold. Like if you can t- learn how to take care of your colds, they won't become sinus infections right. and that you won't need antibiotics. Right. Um, so we teach people how to manage bronchitis and colds and, and how to head it off by supporting your immune system and simple care, like sin- you know, saline irrigation. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's very simple things, mm-hmm. um, like little abscesses. I mean, we have home remedies for that, how to handle abscesses. You don't have to have it cut open always like sometimes you do sometimes you don't but we try to teach you how to take care of things at home yourself that's my goal general philosophy just like our show you you can be your own physician to a degree you can take care of certain things you might not thought that you could do that but if you can be taught how to do it how easy is it to do a nasal rinse right like it's just i don't think people realize oh like a neti pot well we can go even deeper than that we can do irrigation and it's all done at home or even using things like iodine in it or colloidal silver yeah. that there's and there's actually really data behind a lot of this stuff. So so we teach you how to take care of yourself and we we focus on nutrition and herbals and homeopathy and do you know what? if you need an antibiotic, we can give you an antibiotic. We can I have patients who are on blood pressure meds. Like I'm not anti medicine. I'm anti the use of medicine first line. Yes. When there's many other options we could do to keep you off of medicine chronically. Yeah. And there's some like interesting books to you might want to consider reading. One is called Anatomy of an Epidemic. It's on the field of psychiatry. It's a, one, yeah. it's a fantastic one. Um, the Great Cholesterol Myth. That's even better. That'll, that'll wake you up. Oh man, that'll wake that, you up. And those are just for traditional medicine things. I could go on and on and on. And so even further, as I've gotten into my studies, there's so many things in our history that has been suppressed by the powers that be. Yeah. That because there are so many things that we have out there that can actually help people just get rid of their illness and 
that information is being suppressed. And, and most of you should know now by the end of this two years that there's a lot of censorship of oh, information. Just a bit. Yep. And so I've, I've, and I've learned I'm, I'm an activist for informed consent. I don't care if you, for instance, if you get the vaccine or not, I don't care. I just want you to be informed. Yeah. Like, let's go upon, this is the day and age for individualized, personalized medicine. Correct. Like, your body is different than mine. Your family history is different than mine. This disease has this different risk for this different age group. Yep. You know, this vaccine has this different risk for this different age group. Yep. We should be able to say all of that and not be called anti-vaxxers. That's correct. Again, that word is used to just stop the conversation and make your blood boil. You well, know? I remember during the pandemic, they were actually saying that if you were like 19 to 25, you had no health issues, your likelihood was like 0.1%. But yet then a couple months later, they're like, but you have to be vaccinated. And it just didn't make any sense. Then they started saying children couldn't even get it. And then it was kids have to be masked and kids now have to be vaccinated. And if you're under five, now they're even trying to go after that. So like the science changes, but yet science doesn't really change that way. And yet it's also considered misinformation to question science, even though literally it's changing from Very day to day. Very similar to your experience with the flu vaccine and questioning the science behind that. Right. It's um, what I what I do think about the last two years is kind of interesting. Um, I. I the, the situations have been here for decades and growing uh, as far as like the control of information, where it comes from, and us taking the power from patients to treat themselves. Like yeah. you, you basically, we've been trained, oh, how you should not be taking care of this at home. You know, mothers shame each other for not taking their kids straight yeah. in. Grandmothers shame the daughters for not taking their children straight in. Like there's lots of shaming. Um, but we can do something much different and empower ourselves yeah. to take care of ourselves and be and help to change this whole cancel culture situation that's been well and, that, and let, me, let me ask you a question maybe you know the answer maybe you don't how many physicians are there and we'll just say in the greater charlotte area that have your viewpoint behind medicine I haven't really researched it, but there's a good handful. Yeah, but we're talking like maybe four or five, right? <laughs> there's a good handful. So how many <laughs> physicians are there total in Charlotte, North Carolina? Thousands. Right. So we're talking like hand-picked, maybe five or six. I know three total, you included. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name any names, but there are not very many medical doctors who will stand in front of you and say, my approach is not to try to put you on medications first. Let's teach you and educate you and walk you through steps you can do by yourself. And if you need help, we can run some labs and tests. We can do everything a physician would do, but our goal is not always to be like, let's pump you through all the medications. And I bet you probably are in that boat when it's the chronic diseases like thyroid, there's deeper things going on often, diabetes we now know is autoimmune. My God, there's even type three diabetes if we even wanna open that can of worms. Right. Um, we're looking at like heart disease, cholesterol. Maybe we've been lied to all this time. Is cholesterol really as bad as we say it is? And does putting somebody's cholesterol at 130 actually make them healthy? Or did we actually mess them up by causing internal bleeding? And my God, maybe we gave them a stroke because we got it too low. So like, that's what I love about the integrative MDs. They actually think, they buck the system. They don't just follow standards of care. And maybe you can shed some light into this. When I was studying medicine before I even got into it, it was like a little tablet PC and you would tap in the symptoms and it would spit out a like protocol. First give them this and then do this and then do this. It's like, where did the thought of the physician listening to the symptoms and going, 
I think it could be this, and maybe let's test for this. Like all that disappeared when Mr. Uh, Computer came out, and what's in Watson, right? Right. And then we started plugging in algorithms, and we started treating people based upon protocols rather than based on our knowledge. Right. And algorithms again are great, and protocols are great to yeah, give they us help guidelines. With speed for it, sure. It gives us guidelines. But then we, again, we have to look at the person in front of us and what happens, unfortunately, medicine, regardless of treatment, whether it's a medicine or vaccines, we gaslight you. If your body yeah. does not follow suit, we blame you for yeah. being non-compliant. It's your fault yeah. that my plan didn't work that's instead right. of actually listening to the patient. Yeah. And that's where, you know, as I watched the last two years shift, so like in light years speed of really disrespect for people, absolute disrespect for patients. Um, I had a classmate wish death upon the unvaccinated. Uh, a I mean, we a saw the president. I mean, the president himself did it. Do you remember the Christmas, New oh, Year's yes. wish to all of you vaccinated people? Blessings, but to all of you unvaccinated, misery and death and decay <laughs> and disease. It's like, are you kidding me? Right. So, but I will say that this is our opportunity. The last two years, we're being squeezed out yeah. of our comfort zones. Yeah. And so to really recognize that these decades of information that has been suppressed and it's getting worse and, and they have been designing this for this very day, this is our opportunity to look at this in a different way. That we're like, okay, things are not right. You know, we're not, patients are not being respected. The doctor, you know, patient relationship yeah. is not being honored. And there are many doctors who actually also agree with this, but they just don't know how to get out of the system yeah. or they haven't explored how to get out of the system. Well, do you remember the doctors that were putting up signs on their, their uh, windows saying, you know, if you're resisting the vaccine, we're no longer taking care of you as a patient. I mean, the shaming of your decision toward your health for this pandemic almost created like a, a new type of segregation. Are you vaccinated or are you unvaccinated? It's medical apartheid. It are you big. medicalized or unmedicalized? It's it's like we've divided ourselves now because of this. And and the disinformation again idea of disinformation was pushed even though literally the CDC changed their mind like every month. Every yeah. So, so often. um I, I will give I have gratitude for this doctor friend of mine who wished death upon the unvaccinated because she inspired us yeah, to absolutely. be part of the creating the new medical system. So we are going to be reimagining sick care uh, with Compass Integrative Health. Um, and feel free to sign up at bentonintegrative.com for our newsletter or Compass Integrative Health. We're going to be giving. Um, yeah. So let, let's let's I know you're, you're going quick and I know what it is, yeah, yeah. but like describe this just for a second, because you guys you got to understand how revolutionary what she's about to talk to you about is. A completely new approach to healthcare, a new type of a hospital. I don't even want to say that word, a healing center. And it's going to be here in North Carolina right. in the not too distant future. Just tell them a little bit more about this because you guys, this is going to blow your mind. You have to hear this. So, um, th when this person, I have to tell you kind of the story of how it happened too, because. You know, when I was like, well, let's just create our own new system because, you know, call us the island of misfits if you want. Yeah. You know, but it's really for people who just want to, like, have more collaborative care, compassionate care. They want to be heard. You know, you want to have all the different modalities available. And so there are many things that chiropractors can do and acupuncturists can do. There's sound frequency healing. There's red light therapies. There's so many. Yeah. I mean, I could... The number of healing modalities out there are just endless. And right now, across the country, we have these wellness centers popping up. But what we need are also to have that, 
but also have the opportunities that if someone has pneumonia yeah, or someone has some like medical care, have really medical care, they really need the crisis care mm -hmm. that we can also say, all right, well, here's your menu. Um, we're going to give you the antibiotic because you've got pneumonia, but maybe we can have a chiropractor help to open up your airways a little bit or, or with um, acupuncture, they can realign work, the meridians, realign and the meridians. The so what do they do? Properly. Right. <laughs> you know, or the sound frequency healing is like just even the music that we listen to can have different effects yeah, on our vibration bodies. Vibration therapy. Vibration mm -hmm. therapies. I mean, there's so many cool things. And so why not? We're in the United States of America. Yeah. Why in the world do we think that we just have to have one form of medicine? We are so blessed to be surrounded by yeah. so many healing uh, practitioners that why not bring it all? And I want to be able to have a menu. And when I'm sick, I want to be able to say, I want A, I want B, I want C, and this is how much it costs. So having the transparency yes. of costs. Yeah. Um, we're going to be using different insurance systems that helps people like get reimbursed for when they're really in crisis care. They're called co-ops, like Crowd Health is one, the Samaritans, Samaritans Ministries. Is, I'm a member of them. I've been with them Samaritans for almost 10 years. So we, can re we need to reimagine insurance we need to reimagine sick care we need to reimagine life and death and how we approach yeah. dying uh it's there's sexuality sexual health um really that i'm really getting into the spiritual aspect of this so we're basically going to be taking her hate words mm -hmm. and creating something beautiful and amazing mm -hmm. but within i i decided on a saturday right we're going to build this integrative facility for sick care and within two days i had someone call me and you know him um, I had an architect call me and he did not even know about the plan wanting uh, to talk to me about all the chaos in the world. And so when he came to see me, I didn't know he was the architect and he's like, I just want to talk to you about COVID stuff. I really just don't know why. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, I really feel called. God put on me to open up this yeah. integrative healing center, uh, for really crisis care. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm a architect and all yeah. I do is build hospitals across the country. Yeah. And so then literally God started unrolling these miracles. So we just had an, the construction guy come to me. I said, dear God, we want to have a birthing center and have like a preconception for functional mm -hmm. medicine, mm -hmm. the birthing center, the post neonatal care. And um, I was like, I need an OBGYN. Yeah. Within four days, without me putting it out there on Facebook and social media, I had an OBGYN call me from Florida. Another divine appointment. Right. And so this continues. And now we have the Fortune 500 guy. He's... Um, started up two fortune 500 companies and everyone's really volunteering we have marketing strategists healthcare startup people really volunteering on our on our committees and so we have a, a town hall meeting like mm -hmm. now it's gonna be probably quarterly mm -hmm. to keep people updated and as people want to volunteer for it it's great eventually we'll have like a financial we'll have investors so we can like start paying people for the yeah because let's talk doing. about this right everybody was always like yeah hey, why don't we just come up with a new healthcare system and let's build a new style of a hospital like how much are we talking here just to give the average listener an idea we need 20, 20 million million dollars guys <laughs> it's not like you know like hey i'll just go write a check real fast for this i mean if you want to try to fight the system i mean i the last time i read i think Big Pharma and AMA is about a $460 billion annual industry. You hear that? Billion. Like, billion. $460 billion. So, like, $20 million is, like, nothing. Right. And that's probably just going to get it started. So, like, what we really need is people to tell other people and let God be a, a, a portray or a, a, a provider inside of this, just like you mentioned, because... Listen, if every single one of you took like five minutes and just prayed, 
I hope this holistic healing center starts to take off. Bam, it's going to happen. I mean, how do you think we got connected? It is happening. In the exact same way. This I is... heard through Sean that you were like, maybe we should have chiropractic there. And I'm like, I've got at least five because the doctors in my group, we could create a rotation and have a wing of chiropractic in a hospital. Like that would be revolutionary. It would be revolutionary. And the powers that be don't want this because there's too much good stuff going of on. Course. So, we, so that's the thing is that we, when I said that God put this on me and I said, God, I'm open to it. And I'm a country girl from Stanley County. My family's been here for over 300 years. Like we are a country people. So this is this is an idea whose time has come. Yeah. And so God is making this happen. And so we're being surrounded by people who are making this happen. We are creating, we have a nonprofit created so people can, we could totally use some donations. It helps us with well, the legal the thing. fees. We've got three minutes and 40 seconds left. How do we get people to get more information about this? Is there a website? How do they connect with you? How yes. do we teach them more about this? I mean, obviously you can re-listen to this, but where can they go to read more about it? There's compassintegrative.health, dot, sorry, compassintegrativehealth.com or .org. We actually went ahead and got both. And you can donate on there, but sign up for the newsletter because we'll be given the regular updates. So we need the, the nonprofit supported because yeah, it's going to we'll, get us started. We'll put the links for you guys down below. And like you can easily just click on them. Yes, and so we need the donations for that because we're helping get started. We're getting started. But ideally, this is not going to be a center for the elite. You know, we want this to be really f- – this is yeah. a community-built yep. facility for us by us. This is your place. This is my place. This is your place. Yeah. This is really for us collectively. Yeah. And so we need to – we need everyone prayers. If prayers are what it is. I believe in prayers. Yeah. And because prayers are already making. I think. Happening. I think honestly, the most powerful thing you could do right now is type an amen in that little chat box below. Even type a prayer in there. Hit the thumbs up button. Share this with as many people as you can. And when this show ends, sit down for five minutes and just pray. God, can you make this thing happen? Because we need a new method of healthcare. I think. Oh, uh, I think most people agree. And <laughs> I truly believe North Carolina is going to be the epicenter of the new version. I mean, imagine when conventional medicine becomes the alternative. Right. And the current alternatives become the mainstream. I mean, that's the vision I've had all along, that you would only see a MD if you didn't get care through a holistic center and you didn't respond for some strange reason right right there's a time and place for of course there's a time and place for allopathic medicine we're not trying to destroy allopathic medicine we're trying to truly integrate collaborate bring the best of everything everything together everything together because it's for our health and yes we're in a time like no other that we can have this but it's time for us to stand and every good change in history in history have come from grassroots efforts yep it's not from the top down What's going to shift everything is from the bottom up. It's going to be us doing this. So scroll down below, click that link, sign up for the newsletter, and then let's just, I want to throw this out, okay? Because you have no idea how many people ask me, Dr. Aaron, how do I find an MD who coincides with what you've been teaching? I've been listening to your radio show for five, seven, ten years. My medical doctor thinks you're nuts. How do I find a physician who's more like-minded? Right here, guys. Benton so, Integrative Benton Medicine. Benton Integrative. And the website is just bentonintegrative.com. And we have a South Charlotte office in Cotswold, Huntersville, and um, Denver. We are trying to find some secretaries to fill the positions, though, because mm-hmm. we're trying to grow. We can't grow until we get uh, regular, yeah. like, the the non-medical people in. You know, and where, where are you us. hoping for this integrative center to be? 
we're going to start phase one probably in the Huntersville area, but the property we have is over in Lincoln County in Denver, yeah, which is about 20 minutes from downtown Charlotte. Super so it's a good close. location. Super close. Yeah, super close. And it's in right now it's in the woods, so yeah. it's all trees. So we're excited hey, to build it. Sometimes that's the best thing. So we got 24 seconds. So thank you for joining us for our show today. It's been an absolute honor. Maybe at some point I'd love to have you on again. I'd love to. I'd and, be honored um, to. Again, check out the links below. Make sure you definitely sign up for that newsletter so you can stay ahead of the curve in results of what this uh, new healing center is doing. And if you're feeling so inclined, man, a donation, of course, would be greatly appreciated. Obviously, $20 million is our goal, and it's going to take a little while to get there, but we know God can do that and more. Oh, I'm not so even Dr. concerned. Benton, it's happening. Thank you. Oh, yes, certainly <laughs> happening. Thank you for being on with us today. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you each and every week. It's the Ask Dr. Earn Show. Until next Saturday. Be blessed. Bye-bye.